tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hello, welcome to This Is Your Afterlife. I'm Dave Marr. This is my podcast where I talk to comedians, artists, activists about the afterlife. My guest this week is Unji Kim. Unji is a very funny comedian based here in Chicago, where I also am. I know Unji. I've known her for years. She's a great stand-up. She has a podcast called The Ajima Show. It's her and another Korean stand-up named Peter Kim, and they talk about everything, and they're great. So you can find out more about that at the link in the show notes. You can follow Unji at the best Unji. That's E-U-N-J-I. You can follow me at This Is Dave Marr. And you can hear the full version of this episode at my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Dave Marr. The full version of this episode includes a ton of extra intro. Unji can just go and go, and I was happy to have her do that, but I wanted to rein it in to just the fucking afterlife shit for the main episode. But if you want to hear her thoughts on boobs and I mean, she does like 15 minutes on boobs. It's, it's, it's wild. Maybe not 15 minutes, but it's, it's intense. So there's just a lot of really funny intro conversation that you can hear at that full episode on my Patreon. You can get that at any level you subscribe at. I also want to thank my pigeon level supporters, Susie Carroll, Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang for making this show happen. And that's it. Please enjoy my conversation with Unji Kim. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I treat it like I don't know how you feel about what we do in pandemic, but it has been very It's been a um I've had a reckoning or like a Yeah, what's yours been? I think I have too, probably. Um I Unfortunately, my reckoning, what I came to was that I need performance. And yeah. uh, it's simply not <clears throat> feasible. And that being said, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I have the privilege. I've, how about this? In pandemic, I've had the privilege of learning what I don't want to do in show business. Which is what? Write for like specific types of shows. I don't want to do or write or be in or act in certain types of things. I'm simply not good at it. Um, some of them are comedy, even you know that like I do. Like it's, I thought it was going to be a lot more about content. It's a lot more about what I can do and bring to a project that's important to me. And just um, what I do, I'm, I'm talking about like my energy and specific like. Uh, a brand of bon vivant. Uh, like, you know, like I, I just saying like, it's just been, I have, I do have had that privilege um, podcast and like, I mean, also the political climate has, I think radicalized uh, the kinds of things I would be willing to do. Yeah, um, for sure. And uh, outside of that also like just the importance of, I don't know, just like my personal story, I guess. I, I think I've always been a little embarrassed about what I do and even more than a little embarrassed of like cashing in on um, mm, yeah 
certain like you know identity things or like things that are like whatever uh but that that sort of reckoning has certainly happened and also the real reckoning is that i cannot do anything else i can't tell you how many times mm-hmm. i like in all of this in this time i've like rude that i allowed my lsat scores to expire like <laughs> mm. You know, mm. like that perhaps my talents might be better served, better used elsewhere. Right. Um, but not anymore. I mean, I struggle with that still. I mean, especially mm. now. I think I um, am post in the I, – I know this isn't a political podcast or or anything <laughs> like that. But like I, I think the postmortems on the election with Democratic pollsters have been so infuriating to me. Like which specifically? Uh, there was like a, a daily one with the Times pollsters, and uh, he was just like, you know, I think we can just we we either we acknowledge that uh, polls don't work, and we are never going to hear the voice of the people, or <laughs> and just like ba- being there so confounded. They're like this, like the fact that they keep getting it so utterly wrong confounds them, and the and and can we? The thing is, like we use polls that. We, and I mean the blue team, uh, use polls to craft messaging. And the thing is, when you look at our shitty fucking messaging, clearly there's a breakdown. Clearly, if there's not even a cohesive idea outside of not Trump that we've been able to articulate in this time, in this moment in history, that we cannot find a cohesive voice. I mean, Nike did it. Let's use those people. I like, mean, I it's mean- bullshit, dude, because it's like – because. <laughs> Actual people do have really specific messaging and voice. Like that Florida minimum wage shit, that to me was like the clearest example of like people, they're like, yeah, we would like to raise the minimum wage. We don't give a shit about your candidate, but it's like (laughs) these things are not like controversial or like just thinking about how truly like, do you remember the panic over marijuana when we were kids and how it just doesn't exist now. And it's like, so clearly people have a, dude, I'm the fucking Democrats are like, yeah. Yeah. I like, (laughs) I like, I truly like, I like, despite how I vote, like I, I don't, and I'm not trying to be like shitty or like pretentious, but I don't identify as a Democrat. I'm just like, it's, it's, it, it, it feels like a really conservative party that i'm like i don't fuck with these like capitalist like ruling class motherfuckers like fuck these people what are, what are you, what do you identify as cool yeah i identify as a barista <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no i mean i don't know what do i identify as? i don't know I, I don't know what i positively identify as but i know what i don't identify as and that's fucking you know team hashtag resist you know or whatever it's like fuck off you know i i found my i find myself doing that often as uh i i posted something on instagram my friend she like is a writer um and she reached out and she's like this is a fab she just really was um she was like this the sen- the sentence that i had the caption she was like this really sends me and the sentence was like as a mother who is not diana ross and or like as a creative who and, and mother who is not Diana Ross, and she was like, as the fact that you said that you identify as a not Diana Ross, yeah, and like, 
Um, and I was remembering that I, I, another friend of mine, um, this like thing I had said in a show was like, I was an, uh, as an infrequent guest to not too many pool parties. Um, like it's <laughs> like, okay. I, it's, a, it's sort of an idiosyncratic thing that I, like a speech thing that I do when I talk. Um, like double negatives, I, double negatives. And like, it's almost always what I am not. Like I oh yeah yeah out, yeah sure I sure I carve sure. out the negative space right, and then w- the rest of it the the negative space is where I the yeah like that's how I work I carve I do not start building I carve away I think that's, when I, am I not. think don't most people do that I do that is that I I don't I do not think most people do that really it feels yes. like way easier and I because the thing I if I were guessing about most people I'd be like well it's way more vulnerable to just go out and positively say what you are and say like well these this is what I am this is what I stand for the negative is to me I would say you and me are like in a fear defense mechanism because we're afraid to be like oh well I just am this it's like but you think other people are like I'm a wife I'm yes. a mother mm, yeah and, and you, the second you said, you know, you realize that is how most people are. Yeah. I think for me personally, realizing that and why I do that is because for me, for me, I have no, I really didn't have like a bar against which to like the mainstream culture is like the larger thing and I can only see the parts of that I do not belong in. Mm, and so like, like that's, the representation I, thing. Your representation sure but like just in terms of attitude and like I mean even like in the mm. 2000s just like as an alt kid. Right. You know, like as a 90s Gen X person, like that shit. Um like that's how I mean it's there's a part that how about this Dave this sort of inclination is very gen x-y oh but i don't i identify as like an old millennial not as yeah me too me too but but it is there are gen x things like that especially if you came of consciousness or uh became interested in art at like uh in the 90s that Mm -hmm. sort of energy is there yeah yeah and it's funny that my first response to that is like well i'm not a gen (laughs) xer So let's take a like sharp left turn. Yeah. And I'm just going to ask you, what do you hope happens when you die? What do I hope happens when I die? I hope that um, I do not leave medical debt behind for my family. Okay. <laughs> um, that I uh, was not too infirm when I go. I mean, you're talking about like, I guess I just imagine I, the only thing I can hope for in the afterlife is that I will at the very least as a human being get to experience, um, get to experience pure light. What do you mean? What's pure light? Like the feeling of what it is for my matter to commune with the rest of the physical world again. To like okay. go back. And you and then, want a conscious experience of that? I just want a moment. Mm. I mean, I didn't do heroin because I'm hoping for this. 
Okay, like you think like heroin would like would you'd you'd like blow your wad and you're like, well, now I won't get it because I've done heroin and that was yeah. my chance. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I've heard and read enough. Like it's just like the sensation of like melting and like the pure ecstatic joy, like or like of pleasure that you experience from heroin, like a really big high is like, that's what I sort of imagine when our consciousness melts away. I just want a moment of it to consciously be aware that I am dying, that this is death and I'm done. And this is what it is for my matter to go back. So you're talking about like the moment of death. You're not even expecting that to, or wanting that to continue. No. Mm. Why do you want that? I think it's that's I think that's asking a lot. <laughs> well, I'm not saying I'm not judging the the quality of it. I'm or the quantity of it. I'm just saying, why is that compelling? To you? Like, what makes you want that? Because the alternative, if I don't give myself at least that, the my actual conception of afterlife is rather grim. Which is what that there's nothing. Mm. That is why do you think that's grim though? Because I'm alive. Yeah. I mean, I won't care then. But I mean, right now, as a human being who has who is a narcissist and loves experiences and like uh, delights in like earthly sensual pleasure, um, that's appetizing to me. And the nothingness is grim. But like philosophically, I think like logically, I know that it doesn't matter. But yeah, I'm just interested in that oyster of a feeling you know mm. like just th- that i think is what i hope the bridge between life and death will be like the light do you imagine it as like a physical sensation or as like a sort of deeper spiritual knowledge sort of phenomenon what it yeah I think we call it spiritual, but because God or true oneness is unknowable, like human language cannot contain this feeling. So I guess it would be, I guess it would be spiritual. I would, I would, uh, I would, I would, I would guess that it's probably beyond that, that it's like beyond a thing that I would understand. But I, I, I sort of see it as, um, I imagine conceptually that it would be like me melting into something and that the fire is like consumes it. Like I am melting and fire. It is both fire. I am both melting. Fire is in, in consuming me. And at the same time, there is a brilliant – I mean it's like the sun being created. You know? Yeah. Like a star. Like, And that is it's all matter and you are that. And then you go from being this frail, neurotic – horrible person that didn't know what that breasts were a big deal <laughs> to like a fucking star like yeah i mean that's the reason why i get into the show business right we all want to be a star it sounds fucking awesome this is the reason why i want to- <laughs> i've got another segment here that okay. i call relive one memory because in the feed wolf ice cream show I propose that in the afterlife, mm-hmm. you get to completely relive one memory. It's not 
it's not all your other memories are erased and it's not happening up in your head. You are fully dropping back down into this moment, but you only get one. You're not stuck in it. You can relive it however much you want. It's like a door you can open and pop into whenever you want. What memory would you choose? I return to it. It's like a whole day. There's like a big seafood market in Bhutan. I don't know why we had gone there or anything. It's it was very unusual. And who's um, we? Uh, my family. So it's my mom, and it was just also like I said earlier. Like I was very depressed in high school. Like very troubled and like uh like missed a lot of school. Like it's very strange for people to hear that knowing me now, but I was just desperately, desperately depressed. And my mom took me to Korea to sort of like help. You know, she just, I mean, it's just also like a living, she's alone in America outside of my dad, has no siblings or anything. And it's just me as as her only child. So I think she felt so utterly alone in dealing with this. You know, she felt scared. Mm -hmm. So she wanted to go back home. And how old were you? 16. Mm. And uh, there's this like really big seafood market in Busan. It's like a big seafood place. If you know me, I'm like a kraken. I'll, my favorite seafood, seafood tower. Um, and my aunt, like the my aunt is uh, the wife of my father's older brother. She works as an eel lady at the seafood place. At this, what huge, is an eel lady? So it's like a fishmonger, except she only mongers eels. Okay. You get uh, <laughs> and you get eel. You wear rubber gloves, and she goes in and she takes it and she chops it off the thing, skins it in front of you, slices it up like very finely sashimi, and you eat it like that fresh. It's like beautiful. It's probably one of hands down one of the best meals of my life. I remember it, you know. And to be able to go back that, and then also we went down to the shore, like the the rocky, craggy shoreline, and we had like a little a uh, little propane like a uh, stove. Took that down to the rocks and just like took the seawater and like had mussels and like all the algae and stuff like that. We just cooked up a seafood thing along those sh- those rocks, like crouched like a – I don't know how white people – you know when you squat? Yeah. Yeah, like that, like, like uh, but deeply. It, uh, yeah, I get you. Like, you like kind of like caveman style. Yes. Yeah. And like the – it was one of – it's the first time I'd ever seen the ocean, like the sea. Oh, wow. <laughs> Had you been to Korea before? Yeah. Okay. But it, I mean, I was, I was born there. So, I mean, it's just like, I, just like right. this memory of the sea and meeting it for the first time and in this way and with my aunt and like them trying to heal me. You know what I mean? So you knew what they were doing. Now. Okay. Were, did you, what was, you know, as you're like super depressed and experiencing this like suicidal ideation, are you, does it feel like your family were enemies in that moment? Or did you like feel bad for them where you were like, I can't, I'm sorry I'm putting you through this. I don't know how to stop. That was it. Okay. I was tired. I mean, I also, I mean, yeah. when you're that depressed, you're not angry. No. Right, well, yeah. 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 Um, I was just I was just really tired. And I understood what they're trying to do and it was working. I mean, I just like I'm kind of like tearing up at the memory. It's just like it was so good. 
and in the time of such darkness, you know, and to like be able to feel that kind of like relief and joy is like, um, I think something that can only happen when you're that young. I don't and know that if depressed. that's true, but I think, but <laughs> definitely that state, I mean, yeah. and I think there's something to, I don't know if I'm getting too cute with it here, but like the, there is something to me that the metaphor is like, um, you're, you're not holding your breath anymore. You're like taking a breath, yes. right? So you're like, that's the relief. And there's something about the sea too yes. that feels very like fresh and breath related that feels yeah, that that it makes sense that that like emotionally would be happening while you're physically by this place of like open expanse. I mean, it, it was strange. It's like I distinctly remember <laughs> this is like a drug reference, but like I remember it hitting the dome. You know, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the air and just a moment of elation. And it probably what I mean, it probably was just because of the food and the air and because the thing is. I hate the horizon, like the expanse. The ex- yeah, <laughs> that's a real worthwhile enemy right there. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, yeah, I do not enjoy the horizon. Uh, also, a big enemy of the sun. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, the horizon. I mean, the vastness of the horizon is very intimidating, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's like to me, it's like um, a, a white page, right? And. Um, it's just the vastness is very unnerving. I love a corner. And sure. uh, I, yeah. Um, so, but, but in that's that a depressive moment, mindset too. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> to be indoors and behind, like in a little corner. Yeah. Under right, something, right. Always. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but in that moment, I mean, it's just like, it's a, such a positive memory and it's a memory that I return to or attempt to return to often. Um, like, I mean, think about how much I've hemmed and hawed with almost every single question you've asked. And with this one, without hesitation, I returned here. Yeah. Well, and so my, is it something, do you think you get more out of it from remembering it or were you aware in the moment how valuable it was? I don't think I articulated it. I certainly Mm. felt it at the time, Mm. but the memory of it has been incredibly rich to me and fulfilling. Like the meal I had, that eel meal and like remembering my aunt, like my parents don't even think I remember her. They, My mom remembers that meal too. But because of how depressed I was, I think she thought I discounted the experience. And it's been a a, a source of connection between the two of us for us to remember it together even. Um, and like, yeah, that's how I know it didn't seem that like it changed anything or that I liked it. But I did. I remember liking it at the time. I remember the food. I mean, like the food is so big. The food mm-hmm. is such a big part of this memory. And like the fact that taste can be such a big part of this memory and food is, you know, I – it's like a – it's a big one for me. Um, like outside of all the sort of things about – the, my family and the air and the being by the sea. Outside of all of that, the fact that I get to eat good food and like live it, yeah, because it sure. grounds you outside of this world that you were living in in your head. Yes, yeah. I mean, 
corporeal, like yeah. pleasure like that is something that I start learned to seek because of how much I liked food. Like, cause it does ground you like your body. Like if you're someone that is prone to a lot of intellectualizing, like it's, it can be very satisfying and uh, grounding. And it's, it's obviously very dangerous if you have addictive things. Right. <laughs> did it did it shift the depression at all or did it take more time after that to for those like that nourishment to sink in um yeah you know what i probably just like I, I, when i look back there was certainly something hormonal happening like a biological something was not okay with me mm-hmm. and then i basically like was like just smoked weed all the time. I was like addicted to weed for probably like six years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like uh, between 18 to 22, 18 to, yeah, I guess five years or something. Like for a period of time, I just smoked a lot. And I'll be honest, I, I have smoked myself dumb and I am grateful for it. <laughs> What's your coma in the sense of a moment of transformation in your life where it's like the Phoenix must first burn, right? So it's like you, you're one thing before you're something different or maybe not totally different. Maybe something's just been burned away. What is a moment like that for you? Um, so this is kind of heavy, but it's. I, I'm sorry, but like, I don't know if you knew this about me, but like, so, so I, I apologize in advance if this is too heavy. But um, I was hospitalized as an adult uh, for my depression and stuff. Like, I had a psychotic break, and so it happened at 23. And so it's like, yeah, you got to go into the big, big, big girl hospital for that mm-hmm, shit. You know, mm-hmm. that's like that's that's scary psych ward. That's not that's not um, teenage shit, and. I remember being there, having truly lost my mind, um, and deciding to live, like choosing life. Um, what 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 put you there? Like specifically, like how did you? What what was it? Did someone commit you, or were you like able to see just clearly enough? You're like, fuck, I gotta go. Oh, no, yeah. No, I was a, da- a danger to myself and others. <laughs> it was one of those. <laughs> and it was like your parents took you? Uh, I was committed because I threatened my roommate. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I, I, like when I tell you, like I had lost all connection to reality. Like I had sent, I mean, I was sending letters to people. Like when you, the second you start sending letters to people about God, I mean, bitch, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> like, you gotta go. <laughs> right, right, You know right. what I mean? Like, I mean, when you're like, you're ripping pages out of a Bible, highlighting shit, and like, you know what I mean? Like, this yeah, is, yeah, 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 yeah. Fucked do, up. I do. Uh, and the thing is, like, there is a part of that thing that I was like focused on. And then, so um, it's like, it's a totally rational thing that most christian scholars like that god is love you know like this thing Mm -hmm. right so it's like a very basic idea that i just like 
really latched onto and went insane with. And I like had lost complete. It was like a, it's a psychotic break. It was it really happened. It happened. It's happened to me twice. Um, once when I was younger, and then when this was the that was the last one, and was committed, medicated, and like seeing people in there that were so far beyond, and in much more dire straits with regard to the amount of love that they had, they had in their lives. Like Meaning family, they had family less. structures, like you know, like any sort of support system. Right? They had less. They had way less. Yeah, and they uh, were in a well, and no one was handing them any sort of support. Right, and I was in a kiddie pool, but I was just putting my face under the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, okay, like let's get this together. Let's get that this. And I remember distinctly. Making that choice. And so like there's a possibility at that point the medication obviously kicked in because I, I don't think even two weeks prior to that I would have been able to make that choice. Right. So I was wondering like what what allowed you to? It had to have been one, the circumstances, me. I was either cycling out of that sort of like cycle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I – like so many serendipitous things, right? Like if I had been hospitalized at the height of whatever was happening to me, who knows? Right. I might have just stuck, been stuck in there on this like sort of thing. Never made that choice. Never gotten there, you know. Or it might have taken more years. But for whatever reason, it was at the end of that cycle. I was medicated. I was there, and I just the things in my brain clicked, and I made that choice. And I started to go. I started working. I started doing these. Like I started like returning to a version of myself before all of this happened. But you said it had been happening since you were like a teenager, like yeah. a, like a kid. So what was yes. that? What did that look like to return to that as an adult? I mean, you see me. I'm like I'm like a crazy type A person. Like uh-huh. I'm type A, but also bizarre. Yeah, I mean, you you don't present as like, and I think like I think this is something that we have in common, but it manifests differently. Yeah. Is like. I pres- I make good first impressions, right? And the yes. first impressions I make partially because of how I look are like um laid back cool guy, right? <laughs> and that is not actually who I am, right? I mean like I I hope I have it somewhere a little bit, but it's like inside I'm like fucking sweating and like yes. agonizing, right? <laughs> and I and so I I don't think you present cool guy. I think you present like you know, upbeat, enthusiastic, like, yes. yeah, but, yeah. but also have that same like, sweaty, desperate, yeah. <laughs> like inside. Yeah. I um, mean, th- that is the version of me at 10. Like the person that was like, I don't understand why everyone is, doesn't recognize what a beautiful, <laughs> smart person I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like that is the version. Like it literally something in me changed. Like puberty, like at 16, mm. I just immediately like I'd always had like a sort of like OCD, like eating disorder stuff, but something changed like when I, I mean, that's why I think it had to have been hormonal by like some sort of right. like chemical thing happened because it was very drastic and it was very, it was very sudden and it was very drastic. Like everyone was scared. And it's been a long time since you've been back there. Yes. What do you I mean, chalk I that like, up to? I would say that up until maybe three years ago, it was 
uh, fear. Like I held that I would not have talked about it maybe mm. even last year because I thought talking about it brought it closer to me. Oh, I yeah. engaging with the memory, engaging with the idea. Like I did not identify as that. I am not mentally ill. I'm never like that. I pushed it away and I held, I held on to my sanity with like white knuckles. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like I cope with things the way that I need to cope with. It's very rigid. I like exercise. I do this, 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 you know, I like take a lot of supplements and like, you know, <laughs> all this shit. Did and you stay on the meds? I did for a while. And then I gradually got off of them after I was like right before I got married, I think, like a couple mm. of years before I got married. Okay. Um, but it was also because, yeah, it's was, it was just like a multitude of things. They, they, we don't know why. And so what about in the last three years? I realized that holding on to it this way was a way that I was simply allowing it to continue to rule my life. And so – you know, I think that for me at 23, it was a big thing. And then at for, for me at 36, at your young age, you know, when yeah. I was your age. Wow, I've got <laughs> something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I just like, I can't do this because I got other stuff. I have other stuff. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to carry new things. So I couldn't carry that anymore. You like know, what? like it's. Yeah. What um, new things? My my son, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like trying to parent and be a better person, you know, it's like a big parenting thing. I was just talking about this with my husband last night. You can't give your child anything that you don't have. Yeah. Wow. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to carry new shit. I can't have this, you know, I got, and I kind of got a handle on it. So, I mean, I'm still vigilant and I obviously understand these things. I, I think all the therapy I have gone through allowed me to be brutally honest with myself, you know? And I think um, maybe I don't change my behavior, but I am honest with myself and I can be honest with my husband. And so like I have a support system that's immediately in place. You know, my parents see, I I have friends that I can, you know? Um, Ultimately the choice is always obviously mine, but like, I don't know. I just had to put, take, put it away. Like, I couldn't be so scared of it anymore. Yeah. That's what it is. Kill one thing where one little thing in everyday life or culture Mm -hmm. that you wish would just completely disappear. How are you doing? Just people asking, how are you doing? How are you doing? (laughs) Oh, you don't mind if it's how are you doing? It's specifically the formulation how you doing. <laughs> Wait, let me, let me start over. Okay, let me think about this. What no, no, I no. I like. Tell me more about how you doing. I I I despise small small talk. Okay. Um, like the perfunctory sort of like. I mean, the thing is, like, I don't know. So, but the thing is, like, that this is the old version of me. I think now with my age and like sort of like doing a lot more things that are rote. And uh, <laughs> like uh, a lot now that you've people, given up, you're really embracing yeah. small talk. Uh, yeah, I like small talk, and I also like route talk. I like uh, talking about how to get to places. Like it's really route. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I really never heard anyone talk about route. I, I, talk. I, I like I I love to know how you got here. Like I can I love see to... the appeal to route yeah. talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's just it's like um small patter, like just like that pick 
uh, peppers your day and you don't have this pressure to, you know, like it to me, this small talk is now like a new corner, you know, like it's like a thing that, you know, mm-hmm. you, the, you know, the boundaries of it and you just kind of live in there and it's fine. Like you don't, no one has to reinvent the wheel. So um, this started as something you hate and it's really something that you love and are making a foundational <laughs> cornerstone of your identity. <laughs> okay. What do I hate? What do I hate? Um, Something every day that I would get rid of. Um, um, like I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't like rude men. <laughs> Is there a specific like brand or flavor or demographic of rude men? Rude businessmen, yeah. rude hipsters, rude white men, rude. Whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a specific type of um, ruddy. <laughs> faced man <laughs> you know who you are <laughs> that walk with their feet like this uh, like like outward outward that like go out like that and like they oftentimes because probably because there's something sort of defect with them they like spread their uh they do weird things with their nostrils they're oftentimes mouth breather breathers which probably accounts for the ruddy complexion uh-huh. um yeah, I don't. I don't like those guys. I hate to be around them in stores. I don't. You know, I I, I would not say, call myself like an effete person, but something about them really grosses me up. Mm. I mean, I've 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 I have fucked an Irishman, so I know what this is about. <laughs> but I don't like it. What do you mean you know what it's about? I could. I know what's happening there. Like the, what? I know what's that, happening there? I, I I can understand that the, some of them can be charming. I know like this like uh. There's a jovial quality to some of them. I can see it. I can see them at a, a barbecue being great fun. But I don't the, – the rude – it's um it's the people that are like Trump that look like that and Trump adjacent, like libertarian vibes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Up until the end there, I felt implicated by about half of these qualities. <laughs> but <laughs> – That is This Is Your Afterlife. Before you turn off, know that by making it to the end of the episode, you're a special person. You've listened to the end here. You like the show enough. At this point, text a friend. Take a screenshot. Better yet, subscribe, rate, review in whatever podcast app you have. And even better than that, go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Hear the full episode of this show. Hear extra bonus content that doesn't even make the full episode hear all of that for all the other episodes and follow me at this is dave marr follow unji at the best unji and i will talk to you next week only human and human beings they do